I love that this is the experience you can speak to firsthand because I think a lot of times culture is this pie in the sky that nobody knows how to do anything with. Pre-show, I was mentioning, you know, a buddy of mine who's working in a dealership who has all these passions, these ambitions, and he is bottling them up because he's afraid that if the owner of his store thinks that these passions conflict, that he's out. And there's still so much of that culture that exists. And, and I think it's important for everybody to understand that a bad culture is still a culture. We're not just saying you don't have a culture and that you should have a good culture. We're saying you do have a culture currently. And if it sucks, you need to start understanding the impact of that. I mean, I want to circle back to you said, I'm not a typical, I'm not a car guy. Do you think that was in some way shaped because of this experience you had at uh, Dan Cummins? Um, I think so. Um, I think with, you know, um, I was able to be who I am. And and early on in there, um, I saw some things, you know, the early, early Dan Cummins wasn't, you know, this, you know, it was still kind of the old school mentality for a little while. Um, I think what made it click finally for myself and for them is it doesn't have to be this way. And I am one of those outspoken guys that will get myself in trouble from time to time because if you ask me what I think, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think, which gets me in trouble a lot <laughs> because if you don't want to know what I think, don't ask me. And so I, I spoke the truth and I did not want to, uh, I'm not a yes man um, by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, I've, I've talked to dealers before I went to North Carolina when I worked for Hubert Vester Auto Group. Um, I told him, I said, if you want a yes man, do not hire me. I'm not that guy. And, but I think it, it definitely um, developed me. Josh Cummins is probably doesn't get enough credit for what he did in my, my life and, and Glenn sometimes um, because, you know, we were out there, but Josh held, held us accountable. He always told us we were C minus students. When we were doing extremely well, we were selling six, seven, eight hundred cars a month. He said, guys, you are C plus maybe students. Um, and right before <laughs> I left, he said, man, I'm going to give you an A minus. But he, <laughs> he cultivated this culture. Um, and, right. and we kind of helped. And when I saw things that I felt that weren't in the best interest for our, our salespeople's sake, um, I was the voice of reasoning. And I was given that voice and ability to give that voice because I felt confident. We all, it wasn't a my way or the highway type of scenario there. Right. Which is what a lot of dealerships fail. It's either do this my way or get out. But you've been doing it your way for, let's say, 15 years, five years, two years, and it hasn't worked. Maybe, maybe your way isn't the right way. Right. And a lot of times it's hard to tell somebody that because they've done it for so long. Yeah. This concept of my way or the highway is so antiquated because in order, in order for me to say my way or the highway, effectively what I'm saying is that I have also implemented all the checks and balances and analyzed them proportionate to my way in order to even know if my way worked or not. Like, I hope... <laughs> Did that even make any sense? It made sense in my brain, but, but how, and, and 
did you get a certificate saying that your way was the right best way? You're, you're telling me you have nothing else to learn. Mm -hmm. And so I guess this is where I want to steer the conversation because obviously 2020 happened. I'm sick of talking about 2020. And I say this with all the love <laughs> in my heart because 2020 in so many ways has been the best year of my life. Like, I don't, I, I'm sorry if you, it wasn't for you, uh, for the listener, but this has actually been the best year of my life. Why? Predicated upon my mindset primarily. I've learned how to do things this year, uh, Josh, that I would have never figured out to do how to do. And those things get to go with me for the rest of my life. So 50 years from now or 30 years from now, when my grandkids are like, how, how'd pop pop learn how to make awesome Chinese food like this? We're going to be like pandemic. How, how, where, where'd you learn how to fix your motorcycle like that pandemic? Who made this furniture? Pop, pop. How do you learn how to do that? Pandemic. He's so scrappy and resourceful. Where'd that come from? Pandemic. And then before that recession, like you said, you know, worst recession we've seen. And so this has been the best year of my life. Now, having said that, I guess here's my point on the tail end of that tangent for a minute. Um, this year forced all of us, it leveled the playing field and it forced us to understand that things need to be different. And so my worry is, and I would love you to give me the peace of mind, but, but my worry is, so we adjusted in some ways, maybe by adopting remote retail solutions or maybe by changing our sales process a little bit. And my worry is that we take those signals and think that we just prepared ourselves to go into 2021 and beyond, not realizing that you still didn't actually do anything like it. I know that can sound really wrong. So I want to, I want to get your take on it. I mean, obviously in the, in, in the years since 2011, you've made some observations. One of your gripes, it sounds like, and I'm with you is my way or the highway. It's super antiquated, but I guess two parts to this question. What are some other things you've seen that need to go? And then let's move on to some of the solutions and things that you've seen work well or that the listener can take back and say, I'm going to try that out. I think with, um, you know, and I don't think there is such thing as a work-life balance. I just, I don't, you know, I'm one of those, you know, uh, haters on that whole concept like it exists. <laughs> I think there's seasons of your life that create um, that you have to go all in. And then there's sometimes that you can kind of back off a little bit, but I think for, for we do have to look at our life balance inside of a dealership. And I think that's one thing that ticks me off the most is we have, we're a family dealership. I'm using quotations. Uh, we're a family owned dealership and we treat everybody like family yet. Um, we fire quick that, that that has no reason, no merit to fire someone for no reason just because he showed up a few minutes late. So we don't treat people like family. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we'd like to fire some family. But and we don't we don't have a balance for where um, someone can have an out, outside life from our industry. It is a bell to bell work eight to eight Monday through sometimes Monday through Saturday, some dealerships are open on Sundays. And so it's just constant grind and beat you up. And, and it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that's the big thing that um, if we want 
more people in our industry, if you want to use the dirty word, which is the one word that I hate probably just as much as 2020, (laughs) but millennial, if we want to get the younger group into our industry, we have to look at different ways of doing things. And, you know, there's a lot of dealerships that found out that, you know, they could have their BDC work remote, that they didn't have to be at the dealership. And now all of a sudden they're like thinking, well, we didn't have space for 25 reps, but now we technically do. So we can do something different. Um, but just not, the, there's a line in the sand that what kills me all the time is this is the way we've done things. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to treat people. And the big thing is, is if you want to keep people, train them. Like that's another thing. You, you promote a guy to a floor leader or floor manager and you wonder why in a month he doesn't know how to be a floor manager because you never freaking spent the time to tell him how to be a floor manager. He's been a sales guy all his two and a half years, one year, six months, three days. I don't know how long he was a sales manager, but then you throw him into the, to the sales manager role or the floor manager role and you don't understand why he doesn't get it. Well, dude, we have to invest in our people. That's, that's what kills me with our industry. We have no training plan. We, we throw them into the wolves and wonder why they can't make outbound calls and they can't call customers. Like, did you never train them? And so I know I'm going on a tangent on that side of things, but it's like no, but- we have this industry that we want you to work 65 hours a week. We're going to do the minimal training that we possibly can. I mean, freaking McDonald's does a better training plan on how to make the the, the Big Mac than we do on how to sell a $60,000, $80,000 car. And then we want you to, and we're just going to throw you to the wolves and we don't have a plan yeah. on what's the end game. I think of real world examples where if I, if I shared a real world example, like, Hey, um, what do you think your kids would be like if you didn't teach them to walk? And you go, that's ridiculous, <laughs> right? Yeah. But then in the exactly. industry, the disconnect is we have way too many sports references and way too many pseudo military references that I think too many quote unquote leaders in this space and in many industries are like, well, I expect you to already know how to do these things before you get here, soldier. I ain't a babysitter. No, actually you are. Yeah. <laughs> Like actually you are and you're, and, and you just expect them, you know, I, I got to give props to my team. Um, um, my director of operations, Briar, like our onboarding for new team members is infinitely better than when I was the guy that they depended on. I knew of myself, I was not good, but, but, but to your point, I see how much work actually goes into getting somebody up to speed and planting them in soil worthy of growth that I am deeply, I don't consider what you're saying a tangent. I think this is something that we need to absolutely be focused on in 2021 because it comes, it boils down to, well, if you're not going to train your people who will, and are you, and, and are you expecting them to figure it out on their own? Then you're an idiot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you know, it's the biggest thing, like, you know, there are very few, and I'm not being, I am being a little cocky here, a little confident. There's not a lot of me's out there. There's not a lot of Michael's out there. There's not a lot of people that will, that, that find their niche and just go all in 
and learn everything there is to learn about it and, and teach themselves and, and learn to fail and, and to move forward and, and to test and learn, test and learn, test and learn, test and learn. There's, that's just not, if that was everybody, then we would be so much better off in our world. Right. That's not the case. And so you have to, A, be careful who you hire and then understand that it's going to take the time. You're going to have to, to move forward with these people. Like when I was running, you know, you know, BDC, um, there's a lot that goes into that job and you don't think about it when you're doing it. Like I got thrown to the wolves when I was at Dan Cummins. Like when I first right. got an internet department, it was like, there's your computer. <laughs> it turns on phone ring. Lead comes in. You answer. That's it. Right. Okay. It was, I, I didn't get a lot of training at the very beginning. And, but when you start realizing how many things, how many different components, how many different softwares that you use, the CRM, you know, all the different little tools that you use and you one day look up and you're like, holy shit, mm-hmm. there is so much involved in this job. So much that most people don't even look at. And so when I developed my training plan, I mean, I have a, I mean, it's an inch thick day by day, 14 days. I mean, hour by hour training just to onboard someone. Wow. So, you know, it's, but I've taken, that took time. That took hours. Um, and it took a lot of mistakes. So, you know, when, whenever I, I handed that book out, cause I've handed that book out to anybody and everybody who wants it. Um, like I said, I'm here to share, I'm here to change. Uh, people's lives and help them but you know when when that that's years of mistakes yeah years of mistakes that i now can hand over to people and say hey this is the right way i'm continually making mistakes i'm continually changing this but it's by it's by those mistakes that i've been able to uh, provide that information to any rep that i hire now or anybody who i i consult with now it's all about like here's the playbook and here's how this actually works and I'm making changes and when I make changes I just I try to I, I look at every way to fail so I can learn from it and then move forward a little bit. I'm Michael Cirillo and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. If you're ready to make big changes in your life and career and want to connect with positive, nurturing automotive professionals, join my exclusive DPB Pro community on Facebook. That's where we share information, ideas, and content that isn't shared anywhere else. I can't wait to meet you there. Thanks for listening.